This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, One Rental at a Time. It is Thursday, and that means I have the three amigos with me. How you doing, guys? How you doing, Matt? Doing awesome, Mike. Psyched to be here. And yourself, Dion? Howdy, Mike. Ready for round two. I love when he does that, too. <laughs> so what I thought I would do in this one is... Um, I want to talk about what I am hearing from students and other followers of this YouTube channel, because I put out a video, I think both of you have seen it, where I talked about the just super scary, horrific forbearance numbers that ultimately, I think it was 1.5% of forbearances were going to short sales or deed in lieu. Nothing like these other channels were calling for. Uh, what that is actually sponsored is I've actually had probably a dozen, maybe up to 20 people reach out to me and tell me their forbearance experience. Because again, we went from 4.2 million people down to, I think the latest number is 1.7 folks. So uh, 2.5 million people have now exited the program. And uh, I, I want to share that experience. Is that is that cool? Sure. Yeah. So, and the reason this is interesting is because I have experience from the last crash. And I've known dozens of people that lost properties. Some of them lost their entire portfolio. Uh, because of one thing. And, and, and that's because banks didn't work with them. And uh, what you're about to hear is, is banks are very different today. So the first thing I want to highlight is uh, when I talked about the forbearance number, I think it was 23, maybe 24% of people never missed a payment. Did you guys catch that? Yep. It was like, yeah, it was like, yeah, 24, 24, yeah, 24 28, yep. something like that. And I've actually had a couple of people reach out to me that, that told me they didn't even know they were in the forbearance program. Yeah. And, they, and I'm like, wait a minute, you, you didn't know you were in the forbearance program? Let me guess the bank. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting because first off, they, they ultimately did check the box, sure. but they didn't know that the box meant yes. What that meant. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Because again, I went through the last crisis, right? In the last crisis, you had to wait 90 days. You had to be 90 days late to even get a return phone call. Then you had to do your, your, uh, you had to give them your financial statements and all of these other things. This time, banks were proactive. They sent out emails that said, basically said, do you think, do you think you might have an issue? If you might, in some plausible world, check this box. Lots of people checked that box, yes, because they didn't know, and that put them into forbearance. And they still never missed a payment, which I think is hilarious. So first off, that number of 24%, we'll just say it was, it might've been 23. Uh, I've had people reach out to me and go, yeah, I've been in forbearance for a year and I had no idea. Um, so that's, that, that means at least a million people were in forbearance and never missed a payment. Can you believe that? I can. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, it's quite, I mean, if you think about it, it's like, I should have done that. I should have <laughs> done that. Was a really creative financing idea. Yeah, I just don't just, feel comfortable with stuff like that because I didn't need it. Yeah, you know. You could, but I mean, when, yeah, I send out but, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in mortgage payments, and I could have saved that over twelve years, twelve months. That'd have been a big number. Well, when 
when it first came out, it was funny because I have mortgages with five different banks. Yeah. So when they came to me, so none of them came to me except for one. When one came to me, they were over the top about it. They were like, we need you to take this to make sure everything's okay. Yeah. I'm like, weird. I don't think I need it. Like, no, no, no. We need you to take it. Um, okay. I, yeah. all right. I mean, yeah. if you need me, and I got a call from my banker, it wasn't like a customer service. Like, yeah, yeah we need you to take it. I was like, all right, fine. And so literally it was like a couple months and I was just like, and then all the truth came out about forbearance and kind of what it really was and how it was really working. I literally called the bank and I was like, listen, I don't want this. I don't yeah. want it. Take, take it off all my accounts. Like yeah. I don't want any of that stuff. And that was for three or four mortgages. And then they were just like, yeah, we'll just put it at the end of your mortgage. And I was like, okay, refinancing out of them anyway, whatever. Yeah. And then I'm curious, Dan, what, if you think back about a year, maybe 10 months in the bigger pockets community, was the forbearance thing talked about? Like, were people talking about, should I go on it? Should I not go on it? Was Bigger Pockets, was that a hot topic or no? So, one of the things I learned early on with Bigger Pockets was <clears throat> know a subject very well before you try to give advice on it, because mm -hmm. there are some smart people in that community with, you know, with years of experience, and, and they are brokers and agents and they have the knowledge. So, mm -hmm. when I first started, looking in bigger pockets, I would try to answer a question and got pounced on because I didn't know my stuff. One of the things that brought me to one rental at a time is if you don't study history, you'll repeat it, yeah. right? I didn't invest through the last um, crisis, 2008, okay. but you did, Mike. So I literally came to your channel. The, the reason that drew me here is I can get the information from somebody who not only went through it, but survived it, came out well at the end and mm -hmm. get that information from there. What kept me in your uh, channel on your channel is the work you put into everyday content. Like mm. that's way more work than I want to do, but I want that end result, you know, that, that morning brief, yeah. but in bigger pockets, I've had to be kind of careful because the big YouTube channels outside of bigger pockets are the doom and gloomers. It's been really cool. You know, um, the, the hosts of bigger pockets have, have kind of aligned with what you're saying the, there is no crash. This is different than 2008, but then you have, you know, um, McElroy and some yeah. other ones where you literally made a $10,000 bet that there was I a 40% correction. And I looked at everything you were saying and I kind of did what I could to research of what caused 2008. Those don't exist now. Mm -hmm. So my channel had a video where no housing crash 2021, hardly any views. Uh. Every housing crash 2021 a video of everybody's got tons of views. Right. And it was the same with forbearance. Ah. I tried a couple times to say in, in whatever forum I was talking, nobody has the data. Right. We don't know if 100% of people on forbearance are going to lose their house or if nobody's going to lose their house. Right. And, and the other step to it is people say things like, well, there's this many people not paying their rent. There's this many people on forbearance. There's this many people going. Most years, those are pretty close to regular numbers. If we look at the number of forbearances that are coming out of this yeah. in a regular year, those those types of things were occurring. Yeah, life happens. Yeah, yes. life life happens. Yeah, that's crazy. Right. Yeah. So again, back to kind of this forbearance and, and what I'm actually seeing. So that's about half the people didn't even know they were in, and they were still paying. So good for them. Now they're out. All of that. The other ones, um, the approval process was not nearly as onerous as what I experienced or what people around me experienced last time. Last time it was like getting a IRS audit, right? Full mm -hmm. statements, full receipts, full, you know, credit card. I mean, everything, right? 
this time it was basically, are you employed now? Because really what they're looking at, they're not looking at the last 14 months. They don't, I guess they care, but they don't really care. What they're saying is, would I approve this loan now? And if the answer is yes, i.e. you got a job or you kept your job or whatever it is, if they can approve the, the loan going forward at the existing term and existing rate, they're doing it. And they're taking whatever is extra and they're doing what Matt said, they're just putting it on as a second, 0%, no harm, no foul, everybody's good. Then what we're seeing is some people got a job or something happened where they're making less now than they made before for whatever reason. Their, their career went away, they changed cities, they changed jobs, mom, wor mom works, dad doesn't, whatever it is. Then they're going, okay, what do we have to do to approve this? So their first option appears to be, and again, I'm, I'm talking about actuals and I'm making a leap trying to be a bank in this case. Their first app option is to take the existing debt and extend it, mm -hmm. which means go from, you have 26 years left, we're going to now amortize it at 30 and most likely 40, right? Because they don't want to lower the debt. That's not their first option as a bank. They don't, they don't want to lower that. So the first option is, can we extend it? And will that lower the payment enough where we, we would approve you in your new income stream? Does that make sense? Yeah, they want to do that and make sure that it's still a performing loan. That's what they're trying to do is they're trying to create Absolutely. performing loans without mm -hmm. taking haircuts. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right? Sure. Then the second thing they're doing is if they extend it and they still wouldn't approve the loan, then they're looking at whacking the interest rate, right? They'll take a haircut on the, you know, it was a 4.5% fix. Can we do it at 3.6? Does that get us there? Does that get us? They're basically, the bank is trying to take the least amount of pain, which you should expect. Sure. But let's be clear. The bank is doing what's good for the bank. Right. The bank is not being this Uber, like giving charity and trying to set up, you know, the, the borrower to give them a ton of money because you're going to get a longer loan. You're going to get a payment. You're going to, the debt's not going to disappear. It'll be stuck on the back. So that's what I want people to hear, right? This forbearance thing might sound cool, but let's be clear. The banks are going to make a lot of money. Absolutely. It's going to be term, then rate, mm -hmm. then amount. Yeah. Right. In that order. That's, that's yeah. exactly the order because in the first two, it really doesn't cost them anything. Yeah. And because and they're, again, they're just servicing. They're just, and again, they'll stick it on the back and they'll get paid when you refi or sell. That's right. So that's, that's been my big takeaway. And again, I told you this would happen six or nine months ago, and it's actually happening now, right? This, this whole notion that the, this avoidable foreclosures is going to be banks being good citizens is a joke, right? Mm -hmm. The banks are going to do what's good for the banks. And they're going to come out of this in a much stronger position, right? 1.5% of loans are going bad. That's about average, right? Because mm -hmm. death happens, divorce happens, job changes happen. You, you've, you've typically got about 1% to 1.2% of loans going bad every year. So this is only a slight tick up from that. So, um, so yeah, I don't know if I should, but I feel bad for the people who've been waiting for the crash, <laughs> seeing content that gets the most views saying it's foreclosures, it's prices are too high, it's whatever the reasons are for the crash that's coming. You know, people have been waiting since 2013, missing out on years of appreciation and cash flow and principal pay down. Yeah. But in the last year, especially, everyone thinks because prices are going up, there has to be a correction or there has to be a crash. So there are people who are avoiding that whole, and it's, it's a very common statement. It comes up in real estate all the time. 
time in the market beats timing the market. Oh, I like mm -hmm. that. And they're still waiting because there are the, the, there are creative content creators out there. Oh, yeah. And they're going to come up with the next big scare that gets a click and makes people wait longer. That's who I feel bad for. I'm gonna send uh, Ken, I'm gonna send Ken McElroy a check. <laughs> he helped me out. Yeah. Like I've I'm done eleven I'm doing eleven deals this year already. Yeah. Eleven. I want to smooch that guy. Yeah. Because he's telling everybody it sucks, it's horrible, it's awful. Run now, don't take on debt now. It's a horrible idea. Hey Ken, thanks, buddy. Appreciate thanks, you. Buddy. Cool. Appreciate you. Thank you guys. Appreciate you. It made it made it much easier because you warmed them up with yeah. your scare videos. I went in and I got them to sell the property to me and give me a great terms. So thank you. Yeah, that's the other thing I want to talk about because that's I've actually just started talking about this. The media is going to go negative on real estate. They want to be bullish or bearish. The media, not even the YouTube creators. YouTube creators have been negative for a year, wrong <laughs> and negative. Now the media, right? Diana Olek came out the other day. <laughs> the housing boom is over. I'm like, well, that's an interesting topic. Let's see what she's talking about. Yeah, she oh, finally found a YouTube video. Yeah, exactly. Congratulations, <laughs> Diana. You got a lot of clicks. It's new homes, all expensive. I mean, it's not even worth talking about. But yeah, I think you're right, Dion. There's there's a uh, there's a collection of people that are um, listening to the headlines and basically they're not doing the work. You know, if 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 you take my course, that's all I ask is you do the work. And yes, yeah, some markets are overpriced, but most yes. markets aren't. So this is a little bit of a segue. Sure. Um, I just finished using the actual binder strategy oh, on the tenants that I'm going to use as the example for the video I make for the course to finish up that third video. Yeah. And when I bought the property, the current rents and what people thought a tenant would be okay with for an increase made it an okay deal. Right. The binder strategy and what's happening with rents, because as prices have gone up, rents are scaling right behind it. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. It is a killer deal. Mm. Now. And I can't, I, again, that's why you got to talk. That's why people need to follow people that are in the business, right? Some, most of these mm -hmm. content creators are content. They're entertainers. I yes. talk, I have been in the business 20 years. I share with people all the deals I'm doing all the time, remodels, flips, all of that stuff. And more importantly, I have six experts a week that are all doing deals just like you guys. So this channel is dedicated to really people doing the work. And um, I keep telling them prices went up. What was it? Case Shiller was 18%. I keep telling rents coming up that prices first rent second, and you ain't seen nothing yet. Rents are going to go up even more. It's, it's both oh, great oh, for us, but very yes. frightening for others. I'm unofficially teaming up with Omar for the Tuesday, where, <laughs> you know, wonder powers unite. Yeah, yeah, we're teaming up on Tuesdays because he's done what six already in, in since June one. Yeah, six. He got six cards. That guy. He's got six of these coming. Yeah. So I've got I I will I've got five since June one, and I'll have another two in August. So I should I should have seven by the end of August. So we what? got twelve on Tuesdays. Well, you yeah, you need to be sending me your address so I can send you cards, I'll and then I can you. count them. <laughs> I can't count them unless I mail you a card. Come on now, help help me get to five hundred. <laughs> I can get some purple hair. Just like order operations in my company. There you go. You need to send us this. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, well, Matt, do you want your commission check? I do. I well, do. You, but, That's always the question asked. Yeah, right? exactly. But then <laughs> order operations, baby. Yes. Oh, right, guys. This has been a lot of fun. So, uh, Dion, how can people follow you? 
uh, right here on YouTube, Dion Talk Financial Freedom, and in the Bigger Pockets Facebook groups, feel free to reach out. Very cool. And Matt? Lumberjacklandlord.com, Lumberjacklandlord on YouTube. Thursdays here with you guys. Fridays on Lumberjack Landlord. And then in the one rental at a time, wonderful, amazing course. You'll find us there. And Saturdays sometimes on the Facebook group when I can get away from my kids for just an hour. There you go. There you go. <laughs> very cool, guys. Well, thank you very much. I look forward to number three.